Hey everybody, welcome to podcast number nine of Once Upon a Time in Texas. So as always, welcome, howdy, how are you? Hope you guys are having a fantastic day. So I've been a little inspired lately by reading a little bit about Texas folklore. And interestingly enough, there's tons of folklore out there about Texas. But it's a little tough to find some Texas-specific stuff. It's a little weird. Um, There's lots of folklore groups and stuff like that, but it's hard to find the actual stories. And so I did a little digging, and I found a few for y'all today. And, you know, we did some on cryptozoology and cryptids a few weeks ago um, in a previous podcast. And, you know, some of those are myth, lore, legend, but it's tough to find some stuff that's actually specific. So, like I said, did some digging, and uh, I found a few myths or lores or legends, whatever you want to call them, folklore. And so, you know, if you're intrigued, hang on just a minute. So here we go. Before we jump into it, just want to do a friendly reminder that I am Michael Mitchell. I'm your host and producer for this podcast. Um, It is sponsored by, well, you know, me and the company that I work with, Miracle Mortgage. So if you know somebody that is moving to or in Texas and they're interested in buying a house, tell them to give me a shout. Tell them to look for me over here at themichaelmitchell.com. I would love to help anybody out here in Texas get a home. And keep in mind, we sell dreams, not mortgages. So there you go. There's our little plug for my business. Um, Hope you guys put the word out because I love helping people get houses. I'm actually helping several people right now get it. uh, VA loans and a couple other stuff. All right. So let's jump into this. uh, A few folklore stories that I can find. So the first one that I've heard a lot of, actually... And it comes from the Latin or Hispanic or Mexican culture, depending on how you look at it. It's the story of La Llorona. And the name La Llorona translates loosely to, or I guess just translates period, to the crier. Which really describes the behavior of this angry spirit. And that's important to know because there are uh, kind spirits and there are angry spirits. So this one mostly comes out of El Paso. So we're starting way out in West Texas. And from what I've been able to dig up, um, you know, it's mostly centered around El Paso, but I think there are some other La Llorona type um, spirits, I guess, out there. So, you know, let's let's hear about uh, a little bit about this one in El Paso. So, La Llorona, the crier, is part banshee and part horse, which is weird a little bit, I guess, because it's, you know, normally it's a goat. Like, <laughs> the stuff I've found recently, it's, they're goats. You know, they either have a head of a goat or legs of a goat, body of a goat. Heck no. This lady has the, is part horse. I don't know where they got that. So, whatever the case may be, it's like 100% creepy. Um it would creep me out if I was down there and saw it. So the the legend goes that she haunts the riverbank of the Rio Grande. 
and that she is searching in vain for her two children. Now, she's searching in vain for her two children, but, but the story is that she actually stabbed them and threw them in the river after her wealthy boyfriend told her that he didn't want to marry her because of her children. So, man, what a jerk, right? For all you ladies out there, what a jerk. She comes with a little bit of baggage and, you know, and he's just throwing her away. That's really sad. I could see that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't seem like that would drive you to stab your kids, though. But I don't know. Maybe she, maybe he was a really hunky dude. I don't know. So basically, um, obviously, she has some mental health issues. And back in the day, there wasn't a whole lot of mental health help. Um, so she decides to kill her two children and throw them in the river, which, you know, makes total sense for the story. So she throws their bodies in the river, and after doing this, she goes back to her lover, her boyfriend's house, and she tells him what she's done. So she's still wearing this bloody nightgown, because of course, if you're going to lose your marbles and uh, go kill two kids and throw them in the river, um, you're going to wear a nightgown. And, uh, you know, she, she goes to tell him and show him and prove to him that she loves him so much she's willing to do anything for him and anything to be with him. So, I don't know, sounds kind of needy to me. Sounds like a little sketchy. Um, but, unfortunately, he's not impressed. Ugh, what a jerk. You killed your two kids for me? Well, now I'm not interested. <laughs> and so, uh, I guess he's actually really disturbed by this. Like, I would think, I would be like, oh my God. You killed your kids because you love me so much. Thank you very much. Um, have a nice day. So I kind of don't blame this this handsome dude. And so he immediately ends their courtship. So ends their relationship. Which, you know, I guess kind of good for him. You would think maybe he'd go to the authorities for that. I don't know. Maybe not. So anyway, this is where the story kind of goes in a couple of different directions. So... There's two different stories here. Some people say that she ended up stabbing herself and then drowned in the river, which did she drown herself or did she stab herself or did she stab herself while in the river and then drowned while also bleeding to death? I don't know. They didn't get specific. These are all questions, people. I need to know in this folklore. <laughs> so, um, so that's one thing. She stabs herself and then she drowns. And then other people say that this angry mob of people comes along and they throw her into the Rio Grande and then she drowned. So, I mean, either way, it sounds like drowning was a big possibility for La Llorona. And, you know, either way I look at it, I'm kind of going, you killed your kids for some dude. So, like, you kind of get what you deserve, I guess. And uh, anyway, how, however you look at it, she dies. Um, so again, she either stabs herself and drowns or she's thrown in the river by an angry mob and drowns. Um, but anyway, there, there were people around in both instances, apparently, and immediately they start hearing wailing sounds coming from the river. And some people have even reported saying that a figure of a woman wearing a bloody nightgown, and then this is where it gets weird. 
And I don't know why they threw this in. But the figure of a woman wearing a bloody nightgown, except she doesn't have the head of a human anymore. She has the head of a horse. What? <laughs> like, I don't know. I have a feeling that maybe, you know, with it being folklore, a lot of times this stuff really isn't written down. It's just passed down. And I think somebody probably thought, you know what? This would be way more interesting if she had a horse's head. Yeah, let's go with that. And it kind of sticks. Um, and what did the poor horse do? I mean, the horse's head had to come from somewhere. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. So you got this poor lady. She kills her kids. Obviously, she's sad about it now because it didn't work out. And she obviously had some sort of issues going on upstairs in the cranium. I don't know. Maybe that's why they got rid of her head. And they gave her a horse's head. Um, but anyway, so yeah, she's bound to roam the Rio Grande in eternity with her body and a horse's head. I don't know. Seems outlandish to me. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, obviously this happened ages ago in ancient times. You know, that's kind of what they always say. You know, ancient times. There's usually not a date. Uh, or a specific day, but, you know, people are still warned today about going out to the river, so the Rio Grande, late at night because uh, La Llorona will force you to stay there with her forever. So, yeah, if you're going down to good old El Paso and you're going out to the Rio Grande at night, you know, be careful. You might run across La Llorona and end up wandering eternity on a river with a horse's head. <laughs> I don't know. Guys, this is where my mind goes sometimes. I read this stuff, and some of these are so weird, I, I laugh. I mean, I could see everything, you know, lady falls in love with a guy, kills her kids, throws them in the river. Like, that's an unfortunate story. Um, obviously, it was probably put out there to warn um, women especially, and then probably men too, of lust. Um, you know, so it's a story to help warn people, but, but then they stick a horse's head on her, like, ugh, come on. But, you know, continuing on with that theme, let's just, let's go ahead and jump into another one. And why not? Are y'all ready for this? So this is a fun one. And this is the folklore legend of, are you ready? The donkey lady. That's correct, folks. That's what I said. I, I don't know what it is about donkeys and horses that are so fascinating. But, I mean, we were talking about goats not long ago again. Um, but, you know, goat bodies, goat hooves, goat hands, maybe a goat head. Now we're into horse heads. And, and now we've got this donkey lady. So anyway, let, let's talk about Donkey Lady. So this Donkey Lady is said to haunt the, and ready for this, this is the name of the creek, Woman Hollering Creek. Sounds like an interesting name. Kind of makes you wonder how they got it, I guess. So Woman Hollering Creek, which is um, right around Seguin, Texas. I, I didn't look it up, probably should have. But it's right around Seguin. And for those of y'all that aren't, you know, from Texas, um, it's kind of in between Houston and San Antonio. Kind of, it's a real pretty area. Seguin's gorgeous. 
And so apparently this young woman, this this lady, had been in a fire. So here we go. It's it's another tragic accident. Um, and it was started by her husband. Um, the story, and I found it in several places, doesn't say whether it was by an accident or on purpose, but it started by her husband. And she loses her two children in the fire, and she ends up being, like, horribly disfigured. Like, badly burned skin, um, her skin is drooping, and her fingers turned into dark stumps, or hooves, as they say. And uh, in this case, instead of being given a horse's head, she's given a donkey head. But I I don't understand. Like, I, I, I mean, she obviously went through this terrible trauma. She... She went through this really bad time. She looks terrible. She already has to live the rest of her life or, or even eternity, you know, badly disfigured. I mean, you, you've seen people that have been burned badly. Like, it's it's horrible. It seems like that would just be a terrible thing. And so, but now in the legend, she's given the head of a donkey. I, I don't know. Um, so anyway... There, there are people out there that have reported um, seeing her along this creek, the woman hollering creek, and she's angry. So this is another angry spirit. She's looking for revenge. Uh, revenge for what? I'm guessing that the husband maybe set the fire on purpose. It never really specifies. It just says that she's looking for revenge. And... Um, one person claimed that this deformed, monstrous lady with a donkey head even climbed up on the hood of her on the hood, the hood of her car, and smashed her windshield all while screaming in rage. Um, I don't know. I would think that if I were a lady from the 1800s that was badly disfigured. And basically, my fingers were burned so bad that they looked like hooves instead of fingers. Um, and now I'm a ghost. I'm this angry spirit wandering around, and a and a car pulls up. Like, don't you think that would terrify them? Or or maybe do these spirits learn over time? Like, do they know what cars and stuff are? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. So that's one person uh, reported that this donkey-headed monstrous lady climbs up on the hood of her car and smashes her windshield while screaming in rage. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess that happened. Uh, I would probably poop my pants. Well, it depends. I don't know. I've, I've got a pretty nice truck. I love my truck. Somebody jumped up on the hood of my truck and started smashing the windshield. They better be ready for a little bit of rage back because I would be on them. <laughs> like, you know... Lady, I don't care if you got a donkey face and you're horribly disfigured. Um, we're going to go to blows right now. You just broke the windshield out of my truck. It's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> oh, God. I just said it's on like Donkey Kong. That would be so rude. Could you imagine how angry the spirit would be after that? Lady, you just bust out my windshield. It's on like Donkey Kong. Do you see I've got a donkey head? I know. Poor choice of words. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. If y'all can't tell, I'm feeling a little goofy today, so... Hang with me a little bit longer. All right, so another one we've got is the um, the White Lady of Rio Frio. 
So Rio Frio is is a little town down in South Texas. I've actually been to the Frio River when I worked for the Boy Scouts out of San Angelo. We have a, a camp. Um, gosh sakes, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but there was a camp that we've got that's actually really close to the headwaters of the Frio River. And Frio means cold or freezing, I guess, something like that. And uh, Rio is obviously river. But, uh, and it's true to its word. Like, it could be 100 degrees outside and, you know, you go hop in the river and it is cold, cold, cold. So, anyway, so a lot of these are like scorned women and... You know, I guess there's nothing worse than a woman scorned, but, you know, this is the story. Like, your typical story that involves love and heartache and betrayal and bad things. And so here we go. She can, uh, the, the way she's described, the white lady of Rio Frio is described as an orb or a fog near the Frio River and near the small community of Rio Frio. So this story goes way back to the early 1900s. This one actually gives a date, so early 1900s. And a lady named Maria Juarez, so this is kind of nice because she actually gets a name, and her sister, who is not named, live in the canyon near the town. And they were, of course, two of the most beautiful ladies, uh, you know, beautiful senoritas in, in the land. And so Maria and her sister are just real knockouts, apparently. Maria more so than her sister, but anyway... So Maria's only want and hope in life is to find a husband and to have children just like her older sister did. You know, sounds, yeah, sounds like a Disney story, I guess. You know, oh, I just want to get married and have kids. You know, cool. And so uh, her sister is married to a guy named Gregorio and they had a pass of kids. Like they've got, they've got a whole bunch of them together, apparently. And as Maria grows a little older, Gregorio starts, you know, getting that wandering eye. Going, hmm, well, you know, her sister's kind of a pain in my butt. Maybe, I guess. And uh, any, however he thought of his wife, he starts looking at Maria. And he notices, you know, man, she's really beautiful. But he's already married to her sister, so I guess that's kind of a bad thing. You know, they had kids together and everything, so, you know, you can't just... You can't just leave your wife for her sister. Um, you know, but whatever. But, but in this case, Gregorio can't just... He can't get Maria out of his head. She is just too beautiful. And so in the meantime... Maria captures the eye of, of another young man in town. His name is uh, Anselmo Tor uh, Tobar. T-O-B-A-R. Anselmo. And he begins, you know, they, they begin dating or courting, as I guess it was called. So, so he starts dating and courting her. And, you know, he does the stuff that people do. He brings her flowers and professes his undying love, as young people do. And she felt like she would soon be married to this guy and she would have the life that she always wanted, you know, married to a good man and a ton of kids, you know, the whole bit. So Gregorio sees this and Gregorio goes, you know what? Don't care about my wife. I've got to tell Maria how I feel because, you know, why not? 
So again, I guess this is a story of, you know, lust. Be careful of lust. So he pulls her aside, tells her his feelings, and, uh, you know, I, I guess he kind of says, like, hey, I'm married to your sister, but I think you're prettier, and, uh, and I want you instead of your sister. And so, uh, of course, Maria kind of goes, yeah, no. So she laughs it off, and she tells him, no, no, Gregorio, I am in love with Anselmo. And, you know, also, you're married to my sister. And so, basically, you kind of need to go away, you dirty old man. And so, of course, this makes Gregorio unhappy, makes him mad. And uh, apparently, he starts getting a little violent, and it scares Maria. And she gets scared for her sister and her sister's children. And she decides she needs to get away from Gregorio. And she runs home to wait for Anselmo, who's supposed to be coming and seeing her that night. So she's hanging out at, at the house, you know, the hacienda. And she hears a noise outside at night. And of course, she assumes that it's Anselmo. Because, I mean, why not? And she flings the door open. She goes outside to greet the love of her life. And boom, it's Gregorio. And he has a pistol in his hand, a broken heart in his chest. And he fires a single shot through her chest and through her heart. And she dies right there. That's that's like really sad, you know, I, I guess. And so anyway, um, she never got married. She never had children, so she never got what she wanted. You know, the only thing she ever dreamed of. And so, you know, be careful, ladies. Um, Got to watch out for those uh, Gregorios of the world. Uh, although it is said that her spirit is a kind one. So our first two were angry spirits, you know, scorned women with horse heads. That's probably what they're really mad about, um, <laughs> I, I would guess. But this one is a kind spirit. And so it is, uh, it is said that she will cover up children on a cold night. And sometimes people have seen her sitting beside their children's beds, kind of protecting them. So, of course, you know, they claim that she's dressed in all white, so very angelic. Um, and she's kind of always roaming this canyon on the Frio River near Rio Frio, Texas. So they don't know how long her spirit is going to stay. Um, but they said it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of a sad story of love and lust and betrayal. And so, yeah, there you go. So Maria, Maria, let me find it. Maria Juarez, Gregorio and Anselmo. So, although I did work for a little time down in that area, I, I don't remember having ever heard that story. So that's, that's a very interesting story. All right, so let's bring it in. Here's another one. So we've gone from East Texas. We did a couple kind of in South, South Central Texas. And uh, this one, we're going to jump over to East Texas. So this one is called the Bragg Lights. B-R-A-G-G, Bragg Lights. And they happen in East Texas. They don't specify where. And... Uh, they, the, the story goes that this people, there these people drive down a specific gravel logging road. Now, I'm sure some of y'all 
that aren't from Texas kind of go, hold up a second, a logging road in Texas, this is ridiculous. Okay, now hang on. I mean, yes, I know the idea of a gravel road in Texas isn't far-fetched, but a gravel logging road, I mean, come on, this has got to be ridiculous, Michael. And, you know, for some of y'all that haven't been over to East Texas, I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But no, East Texas is really pretty. Um, there's an area over there called the Big Thicket, and it's it's huge. I mean, they're, they're huge trees. I mean, they're not like redwoods in California, but they're big. I mean, they're not like the little, you know, smaller trees that we've got around where I live in Northwest Texas, um, you know, 20, 30 feet. I mean, these are huge trees, 50, 60, 70 feet tall. They're big. But uh, so yeah, they do have logging roads over there that, that was an industry here in Texas and it still is an industry here in Texas. So there you go. Um, all right, so anyway, sorry, kind of went off on a rant there. So they drive down this specific gravel logging road and nowhere in these stories could I find the specific road that everyone was talking about. It's just that they're there. Um, that it's this road. So apparently you have to find somebody local who knows where it is, point you in the right direction. Anyway, so some people call them the Bragg Lights and also they're called the Saratoga Lights. So I need to do a little more research into that, but um, cannot really find why they're called two different things. But anyway, regardless of whether they're called the Bragg Lights or the Saratoga Lights, um, a lot of people just discount them merely as car lights, of course, because that's always the big thing, um, or swamp gas. Now, <laughs> I, it seems like every time there's weird lights in the sky, we attribute it to swamp gas. You know, oh, I think there was a plane crash over there the other day. Nah, that was just swamp gas. Um, I've never seen swamp gas. I've never seen swamp gas light up. I mean, I guess, you know, I used to be a science teacher, and, and I love science, and so I do know that in swamps, things are decomposing and all that. And through decomposition, there are lots of gases that come out. You know, a lot of methane comes out during decomposition. So, I mean, I guess swamp gas could be uh, a flammable mixture. Um, but I just, I, you know, I don't know. Like growing up in the 80s and watching MacGyver and stuff, like I really thought quicksand and uh, accidentally catching yourself on fire and having to stop, drop, and roll. I thought those were going to be big things. And, uh, I have never had the opportunity to use, you know, those skills that I learned on the TV shows. Um, and, and again, same thing. I've never had the opportunity to see swamp gas. So, I don't know. So, uh, a lot of people that do argue about the swamp gas theory, they say, well, it can't be swamp gas because wouldn't there be more brush fires out here in this big thicket area? So, I, you know, I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty good argument, I guess. I mean, if there's swamp gas that's actually lighting on fire, then, you know, you would, you would kind of think. So anyway, um, the, the legend is that uh, weird things happen out there in the big thicket area. And uh, they say it's a ghost that that causes these lights, and it's the ghost of a railroad worker that was decapitated during an accident while at work. And so the lights are actually from his lantern as he forever searches for his head. You know, I mean, I guess it's good that he's not bound to wander earth in all eternity 
with a horse or donkey head or a goat head or something. He just has no head. Um, so he's bound to wander Earth with his lantern looking for his head. And so they, you know, they do say that these lights appear and disappear quickly. And uh, no one really knows even to this day what causes the lights. But, you know, I guess it could be swamp gas. Or it could be the ghost of the decapitated worker. So there you go. All right. So yeah, we've been kind of all over the place from <clears throat> far west Texas to women with horses and donkey heads um, to betrayal to love. You know, we've kind of been all over. So let's jump on down um, to another South Central Texas one. And this story is about El Muerto. So there's this bandit, I guess, named Vidal. And Vidal, he's a Mexican thief or bandit. And he steals horses from uh, all over the border country. And he makes the mistake of stealing horses from a ranch of a Texas ranger named Creed Taylor. And this happens in 1848. And Creed discovers the horses are missing. And he takes off with a neighbor who had also lost some horses to find this horse thief. Um... Because horse thieving in 1848 is a big deal. You know, you got to think about this. This is your mode of transportation. For a lot of people, this is their livelihood. You know, they need their horse. And so as they're, you know, galloping along, they run into a guy named Bigfoot Wallace. Um, and he lived near Uvalde. Or they found him near Uvalde. Anyway, uh, they talk him into going with them. So he's he's also a Texas Ranger, so... He, he has no sympathy for horse thieves and horse stealing. And so Bigfoot Wallace goes along with him. Because, by God, you know, these people need to be avenged. <clears throat> and so, anyway, um, so they catch up to the horse thieves and they kill them all. Because, you know, horse thieving, they're just, nope, just, you ain't going to do it down here. And so Bigfoot Wallace decides that we need to send a message. And so the story goes that he cuts off Vidal's head and he mounts his body firmly on a saddle of a wild Mustang. And wild Mustang was very specific, right? Uh, where they got this wild Mustang from, I don't know. Did it come from the ranches? I don't know. Did they just happen to catch it out on the plains? Who knows? But they make it very specific that he mounts it on a saddle of a wild Mustang. And then he takes his head and shoves it, shoves it in a sombrero. So the decapitated head in a sombrero and also straps it to the same saddle and then lets this wild Mustang loose. And, you know, again, I kind of think about this and I go, well, this poor horse has this stinking, rotting, you know, decapitated person on its body. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the horse wasn't happy about it. But anyway, so it ends up this, this pair, the, the body, the headless body and the head and this wild Mustang, um, end up roaming all over South Texas, scaring the crap out of people. Um, and you know, they, they are th that duo, the El Muerto is blamed for all sorts of misdeeds and misfortunes in South Texas. 
And so it finally happens that a, a small group outside of some town, and the town is not named, catch the wild Mustang, and they untie the headless body from the saddle, and they take off the sombrero, um, presumably with the head still in it. And so now that the horse is free from its, you know, headless rider, um, they let the horse go. The corpse is apparently, and it says in the story, the corpse is shot many more times with both bullets and arrows, I guess to make for sure that it was dead. You know, you want to make for dang sure that a dead person stays dead. Um, and then, uh, you know, and then they bury the body. And so, but, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where the story ends other than every now and then they say that people still claim to see this headless horseman wandering the plains late at night on his wild horse, or I'm sorry, wild Mustang. So I guess that's a good story for anybody who's thinking about stealing horses. Um, it's just not good. You may get decapitated, your head shoved in a sombrero, your headless body strapped to a saddle of a wild Mustang, and you will be forced to ride for eternity. But you won't have a horse head or a donkey head. So I guess there is that. Um, <laughs> anyway, some of these stories are just so interesting. So there you go. There's uh, three or four folklore tales that I've been able to find. We're going to have many, many more because Texas is just wrought with stories like this. So I hope you guys get a little bit of a laugh, maybe enjoy it a little bit. Um, so yeah. Y'all keep in mind, uh, if you know anybody moving to or in Texas looking to buy a house, send them my way. Maybe I'll tell them a folklore legend or two, um, you know, of, of the town or place near where they're purchasing it here in Texas. I don't know. I'll find something. But I like to have fun. I love meeting new people. Um, send them my way. Send them to themichaelmitchell.com. Um, they can do an application there. For Miracle Mortgage, we'll get them a house. Because remember, we sell dreams, not mortgages. So anyway, that is my podcast for the day. I hope y'all enjoy it. Um, go ahead and drop me an email. Say hi. Send me some messages. Let me know. Uh, tell me some other things you'd like to hear about in Texas. I always love getting the feedback. So as I always like to end, um, yeah, the stars at night are big and bright deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.